Good morning, Cross Point. Man, so glad that you're here today. What a joy it is always worshiping with you on the very first day of the week, coming together to celebrate that Savior and King of our life, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, what a joy it is to walk and journey with each and every one of you, and uh, so glad that you're here today to be a part of our assembly here at Cross Point as we look into the Word of God. We also want to say a special welcome to the guests that are here today. Thank you for joining us and being a part of our assembly. And our hope, of course, is if you're looking for a church home, and today you could say you found it, you'd love to be a part of our family here at Cross Point. Because each and every one of us acknowledge that we are broken people, but we've decided to make Jesus Christ our Lord, and we want to serve Him in every possible way. And so we surrender ourselves to God, and we say, use us, God, in your story how you see fit. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so we invite you into that story as well to be a part of what God is doing. So thanks again for being here today. We're going to continue our series. We're in week three of BFF, Best Friends Forever, talking about the friends that we should have in our lives as Christian people. I think the Bible is pretty clear about having uh, really great other Christians around us, very close to us. We can't be out of the world. Jesus even said that. He said, you're going to be in the world, but certainly the close friendships you have around you should be ones that are nurturing and moving you toward a more Christ-like image. Uh, If you remember, we started out in Proverbs 13, and we'll be there in just a moment, but you might want to find Acts chapter 2. We'll be there in just a little while as well. Text will also be on the screen, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation version of the Bible. Uh, There is a lot of great things that we can say about our friends. We started off talking about the friend that you and I need to be to those around us, that some of us uh, kind of sit there, we're wallflowers, we don't do a whole lot, expecting everyone to come to us but that we're also called as people of God to go out and be friends to those around us, to, to kind of culture those relationships that we desire in our own life. Last week we talked about that we may be one friend away from changing the course of our destiny. We may be one friend um, out of sync to being everything that God's called us to be, but equally you could be that one friend that someone is looking for to have in their life. Well, today I want to take a look at the community of friends that we call the church and how that integrates into our life as the friendships that we need to have into our life. The tagline for our series, of course, is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I absolutely believe that. And each and every one of us have had moments where we have interacted with folks who are great in character and other times when may have been a little questionable. The smartest man in the world in history wrote the book of Proverbs, and he says in Proverbs 13 and verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools, and get in trouble. Now, that's some pretty good thinking on uh, Solomon's part, but we can easily incorporate that into our own life. We need to be around folks who are thinking more and more Christ-like, yet some of us in our life, we've got folks that we hang around who are negative all the time who just dwell in criticism and the sky is always falling and look at what's happening in the world, not really very positive in their outlook. We've got friends in our life who do morally questionable things all the time and yet we keep interacting with them in their life. We, we have friends who are full of trouble and every time we are out with them, we get in trouble with maybe our parents or the law or what at Walmart security, you never know. I mean, it could be anybody. 
We've got friends in our life who aren't taking us down the right path. But equally, we also have friends in our life who are very positive and affirming. And they motivate us to be everything that God's called us to be. We've got folks in our life who truly want to be more like Jesus. And their level of spirituality is a little above us, and it pushes us to be more and more like Christ. You and I have got different folks in our life, and the question is this morning is that we're asking, who do you have in your life that's really changing who you are, that's changing your lifestyle? Last week, we took, we took a look at relational poverty and what all that entailed. We took a look at three different types of poverty. If you remember, we talked about uh, being poor just with the stuff that we have, materialism. Uh, we talked about being spiritually poor, not, in other words, not having a relationship with God and not getting to cash in on all the blessing that he has for you in your life. And we also talked about being relationally poor. And we want to really continue that thought uh, today as we talk about living in community. Tomorrow we celebrate as a nation Independence Day. And uh, while that is an awesome uh, thing to consider how long we have been a nation and all the great things that are going to happen tomorrow with friends and family and, as Kale said, the hot dogs on the grill or the burgers, whatever you've got going, we have become a very independent nation. For whatever reason, we think we can go it alone. We, we don't surround ourselves with the relationships that are going to promote us to do great and mighty things in the name of God to fulfill all the purposes that God has for us in our life. If you think all the way back to the creation story, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God said, even before we were created, he said, let us make man in our image. Notice the pronouns there. God, even before creation, lived in community. And we're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to look like Jesus Christ. And so if it was important to God to be in community... It should be important to us as well to be in community. And in church language, we talk all the time here at Crosspoint about living life together, living that ignited lifestyle, to, to live out loud together. And that means more than just coming together on a Sunday morning. That's certainly part of it. But living life out each and every day together. You and I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no doubt about it. Each and every one of us have to make the decision to make him Lord of our life. But we live that out in community together. We proclaim Jesus in one unified voice as a community of Christ called the church. Now, I remember when I was raised back in the day, and maybe many of you can resonate with this as well, but our particular heritage in churches of Christ, we've been a very stoic group, very quiet group, not very emotional uh, and I remember taking Lord's Supper as a, as a young Christian still living at home, uh, watch my dad and, and mom and how they would interact and look around and see what everyone was doing. And everyone was in their own zone, right? They were just kind of looking down, had their head bowed, thinking about appropriate things, I'm sure. But I enjoyed today taking communion and looking around at my friends in this audience, my family, if you will, and seeing that you are proclaiming Jesus Christ every time you take of the bread and the cup that you are vocalizing that. You're saying, I believe who he is, and I'm encouraged in that. And we as a family are called to be emotive and, and live life out loud together. When we decide to be stoic and just kind of reserved, kind of individualistic, that's an incomplete picture of who God has called us to be because he's called us to live in community. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, in verse 20, 
He says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Jesus says, look, you don't have to be a mega church. You don't have to be a cross point. You don't have to be a, a group of 50 folks. Even if just a couple or three of you are gathered together in my name, man, I'm going to be there as well. That's community, is living life out together. To get out into the world and proclaim the story of Jesus Christ in multiple and various ways. Last week, I talked a little bit about relational, being relationally poor and what that meant. And I want to give you two or three ideas that I think are creating this chasm of relational disparity. Why we don't have those deep abiding friendships maybe like we used to have. And the first one is this, increased mobility. You can look at any of the U.S. census across our nation And you can see uh, where people move, how often they move, those types of things. And we have become this group of nomads, if you will. Uh, The average stay in any one location today in our culture for a family is five years. If your age is 20 to 40, that shrinks to three years. We move around to find jobs or to help family out, whatever it might be. 75 years ago, that was not the case. Everybody kind of stayed in the same area. You married the girl next door, that type of thing. We all stayed in the general area, but we've become a very mobile culture. This spring, the statistics for people moving into Texas, there are 1,200 people a day moving into Texas. And out of that, somebody said amen to that? Wow. (laughs) Get them all in here. Let's go. Out of that 1,200, 600 of those people are moving into the metro. That's why there's a housing shortage and apartment shortage right now. A lot of folks are moving. We have become a very mobile culture. Hard to make those deep abiding relationships when we're always moving around. Second thing is this, there are the modern conveniences that kind of detract from the the opportunities for us to connect one with another. Those modern conveniences. I mean, think about air conditioning. I love air conditioning. I'm glad we've got it in this building here today, even though I see some people fanning out there. I can't imagine what it would be like in that little wooden Church of Christ building that I have been to a few times in my very young years. But that AC, what do we used to do before AC in the evening? Go out on the front porch, right? We'd talk to our neighbors. We'd talk about life. We'd talk about uh, marriage and our kids and what was going on at work. We had a relationship with those who lived beside us. But that AC has kind of moved us back inside the house, making it a little more difficult maybe to get to know some folks that live on our block. Now we have attached garages with automatic garage door openers. Think about this if you want. In the morning, you get your cup of coffee, go out and get in your car, you open the garage door, you back out of the driveway, you drive to work. And if you're lucky, you take the stairs that no one else takes, get to your cubicle at work, do eight hours worth of work and do all that in reverse, and you can do that without talking to one person. That's amazing. Our garage door openers, kind of keeping us out of the wind, if you will keeping us out of building those relationships. We uh, talked a little bit about the new phobia that is out there, answering the phone. Kind of let it go to voicemail so you can see what the person wants, and even if you want to answer them. There was a day when uh, cell phones didn't exist, and we, before answering machines at home, Robin grew up in a house that had a party line. Anybody ever had a party line in their house? You can find out a lot of good gossip on a party line, let me tell you. A lot of houses use the same phone number. But now, we don't pick up the phone. We wait and see if we want to call that person back or uh, architect the, the, the right answer, if you will, before calling them back. When I was a really young 
guy um, on Saturday, we would get kicked out of the house, my, me and my two brothers, and we would play with all the neighborhood kids. We would get on our bikes and we'd go down to the, the train trestle or we'd go fishing or we'd go camping or build a fort or whatever it might be. The only stipulation was my mom said, you've got to be back home by 5 o'clock because that's when dinner is served. You know, get out of here. We'd be gone all day long. But today, what do teens do? They stay inside the house on the video game. It's difficult to build tight, binding relationships with those around us. And I'm, I'm not down on video gaming systems. I've got one myself. But moderation, that's, that's important. The third thing is this, a rise of social media. And we talked about this last week. Social media, I've got all the apps on my phone and I use them regularly. So it's a part of the way we converse with those around us. But some of us are so consumed with social media that we fail to get some of that face-to-face time. Remember what I called it last week? We need to have more face-to-face time rather than thumb-to-thumb time. We need to be in each other's space, talking to one another, building those deep abiding relationships. Many of us have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but really not one deep friendship that we could trust with information that maybe we're, we're going through in the moment. We let that social media get in the way. Last week we talked about that one person that may be missing in your life that could change your destiny or that you could be that one person to change someone's destiny. And tonight, today, or rather, I want to talk a lot about the church. All the friends that we have in a group of believers that could help motivate us and move us in the direction that God is calling us to move. You and I may be one community away from being a part of a group, a community, that could literally change the direction of our life. I want to be a part of a group like that, don't you? I want to be a part of a group who's shouting from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they're living that out actively every single day in their life. I want to be a part of a strong, committed group of Christians who say, listen, I want to have these friends in my life. I I want to do life with you. It's just that important. And here at Crosspoint, we really work hard at building community in different ways. We had a group that just came back from Honduras uh, on a mission trip, a mission point that we support. And while they were on that trip, our own folks were building relationship with each other. But while they were there, they were also building relationship with the missionaries uh, on the ground there and the church. They were the hands and feet of Jesus building things there for the church in that location in Honduras. We had a group that just left a couple of days ago to go to Kenya. They're working with that deaf orphanage that we support there in Kenya. That group is very tightly wound together. They're building relationship one with another, and even more so because the flight lost all of their luggage, including their carry-on stuff that they had to check. So they may be a stinky group, but they're tight. They're, they're together. <laughs> but while they're on the ground there, man, they're working with those kids and those teachers and building relationship because that's what the church does. I want to be a part of a a vibrant group of people who want to show love and serve those around them. We do a lot of local stuff here as well. This past spring, many of us as a group, we went up to Rowlett to help with tornado cleanup. And this church did as well as many other churches several years ago go down to New Orleans to help clean up after Katrina hit. Many times we go out into our neighborhoods and we do renovation and, and cleanup. We help people move from one location to another. Just a couple of weeks ago, many of us came together as the body of Christ uh, to do VBS, to put VBS on and teach our kids the story of Jesus Christ. 
There, there are numerous youth events that happen to share Jesus Christ with our community and the teens that exist in this place. We do a lot of community outreach. Many of us go to the Ronald McDonald House to cook dinner for families whose kids are in the hospital. We've worked with Habitat for Humanity to build houses for homeless families, putting a roof over their head. We currently are teamed up with GPISD to help kids who can't afford all the stuff that's needed to go back to school. And in the fall, we'll have a lot of school supplies here on the stage to help out with those kids who can't afford that type of stuff. Before, we've had a uh, church softball league, and we were not good, but we were out there on the field together, and we were playing poorly together, but we did well. There are tragic moments as well when, when there's a loss in a family. And together as the church, we, we take food to that family. We c- come around them during that funeral moment. Or maybe cancer has been declared in someone's body, and so we pray over them, or we go visit them in the hospital. Babies are born, and we, we just nourish that family with love and attention. We give scholarships to those teens who can't afford to go to camp or go to that mission trip. See, as the body of Christ, we can do incredible things through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's unbelievable the amount of things that we can do as the body, as friends together. I can't do it on my own. But when all of us make a decision to live life in an ignited way, to be the community of Christ in this place, it looks pretty awesome. The writer Luke uh, talks in his gospel and then finally in the book of Acts about what that first century church looked like. And as I read this morning, this is going to be a familiar text to all of us. I want you to really put on new ears and new eyes. I want you to think as I read this text and allow something new to pop into your head, to to think about as we, we scroll through what this first century church looked like. You know, Jesus ascended to heaven and the disciples didn't know what to do. They waited in Jerusalem like they were told, and 50 days later, the day of Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and each and every one of them were allowed to speak a different language. And so they wanted to tell the story of Jesus. They went to the temple there in Jerusalem, and on the steps, every person visiting in Jerusalem for Pentecost heard the story of Christ in their language. We have recorded Peter's sermon, and in just one sermon, there were enough people to say, wow, that sounds like something I want to be a part of. I need to get right with God. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 men that day were baptized into Jesus Christ. That doesn't count the kids and the women that were baptized. There were thousands of people who in one moment said, I want to be a part of a community like that, that takes care of one another, that looks like Jesus. And there wasn't a beginning class to go to. There wasn't something to sign up for. No, they just made a decision. Hey, I want to be a part of that community. And they got to be a part of that community. And then Luke does something very special for all of us today. He writes down what that first church looked like. In verses 42 through 47, which we'll read, text will be on the screen. Luke says this. All the believers devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to share in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The sentence right before the last one I read, enjoying the goodwill of all the people, that's not talking about the community. That's talking about the town, Jerusalem, in which they lived. Everyone thought this group of people was different. They're a little bit more joyful. They're a little bit more patient. They're a little bit more servant-oriented. I want to be a part of a group like that. You see, these folks in the first century church were devoted to live an ignited lifestyle. They wanted to be on fire for God and to be on fire together for God. They knew they had numbers, and with those numbers, they could uh, convince others to have great change in their own life. The text in verse 44 says, all believers had everything in common. Now, does that mean that they all thought the same? Was it group think? Were they all robots? No, not at all. Same way here at Crosspoint. There are different ways that we think about doing different things and ministries here at Crosspoint. But at the end of the day, guess what? Every single person in here wants to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And every single person in here wants to serve Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to be a part of that story and let the world know how awesome he is to have in your life and the blessing that you get from being plugged in to Jesus Christ and his love. There are three different things that I think... um, I want to focus on this morning that I think uh, a church that is on fire for Jesus Christ looks like. Now, these are going to be some strange headings, and uh, I'll explain those as we go. But, But for sure, three qualities of a great Christian community look like this. One is we have refrigerator rights. Now, what does that mean? At our house, when you come over, my first comment generally is welcome, but then it's, hey, my house is your house. You, you've probably said that to people before as well. But at my house, you've got refrigerator rights. So if you decide that you want to go get a drink and we're talking, hey, you go to my fridge, you open the door, you get the drink. If you want a snack, good luck finding something. I don't know if anything's there, but you're welcome to check it out. You can do just about anything in my house that you want to within reason. <laughs> when I was in youth ministry for 20 years, Robert and I had... Uh, a game plan with the youth group, and we said, hey, because they would come by at all times of the night, and we finally had to make a, a decision. We said, hey, if the porch light is on, that means we're up, you can come to the house, just walk in the door, you don't need to knock. That's refrigerator rights. But if the porch light is off and you ring the doorbell, I'm going to kill you. That means we're in bed. Don't bother us. But that's the kind of people that we need to be in Christ, where we each have refrigerator rights in each other's house. Some of you may be shocked if I walked into your house to say hello and went right to the fridge to see if there was something to drink. Some of us don't want people in our house because that might mean we need to clean something up, and we don't want to have to do that. We want to keep people at arm's length. Robin and I have a slogan that we use at our house, and it is this. We don't really know you until your feet are under our table. We do want a relationship with the people we call friends in the body of Christ. We want to journey with each and every one of you. And we want to have you into our house whenever it's possible. And I hope that you have that same mentality, that you really want relationship with those that you are journeying with. What's verse 44 say again? That the believers had everything in common. Everything. That means in the Greek, everything. That's what that means in the Greek. 
How many people in your life have refrigerator rights? Now, I'm not talking about family or that one guy that your son always brings over and so he's kind of like part of the family. No, I mean, in your life, how many people in your life really have refrigerator rights? And when you think about it, you ask the question, isn't that risky though? And the answer is yes. It is risky to be in relationship, deep relationship with other people. Why? Because I'm not going to always say the right thing or do the right thing, and neither are you. We're at sometimes might step on one another's toes. But that's the beauty of being in relationship, is you get to know one another. You, you journey together. And sometimes people in your life take advantage of that level of friendship. But we're called as people of God to, to live together with no strings attached. Just because I offer something doesn't mean I'm expecting something in return. Some of us are too busy in life as well, too busy wiping down the handle on the Walmart shopping cart of life. We're trying to keep everything in its place, everything nice and tidy and clean. But guess what? People are messy, aren't they? I'm messy. We all are messy, and that's why we need Jesus Christ. He cleans up the mess for all of us. He is the guy that will take us to the next level where we can't go by ourselves. And together as the people of God, oh man, he has great things planned for us. It is risky to be in community, but the risk is even greater if you make a decision to do it alone. The The risk is huge if you decide not to be in community. See, God knows best. And he's called us to live together as friends who want to celebrate that empty cross and that empty tomb, to celebrate Jesus Christ for all that he is in life. Yes, it's risky, but I want to be risky and ignited for Christ. The second thing is we all have ugly toes. And you might ask, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, there have been on occasions when I've been challenged and have accomplished, I've got some pretty long toes, picking up a golf ball with my foot and handing it to myself. That's, that's kind of weird, I know. But the truth is, we all have very ugly feet. Most of us don't want people looking at our feet. We want to keep those covered up, and that is probably a good thing. Metaphorically, though, what does Paul say in Romans chapter 15? He says, Besides the ugly feet, therefore, however, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Wow. No matter how ugly my feet are, no matter how long my toes might be, you're called to accept me, and I'm called to accept you. Each and every one of us have baggage in our life. We've got stuff that we don't want people checking out or or taking a look at, but at the end of the day, guess what? People are messy. That's why we need Jesus Christ. If we weren't messy, we wouldn't need Jesus, would we? But we do. Everyone is messy. And there have been moments where I've said something or done something that's raised an eyebrow or someone's rolled their eyes. And at the end of the day, this is what I know to be true. Jesus Christ died for me. He covers me with his blood. And because of that, God sees me through his son as perfection. And that's all that really matters. You and I have baggage in our life. But when we do something wrong, we own it. When we have been wronged, we ask for forgiveness. We want forgiveness. We become more and more like Christ when we make a decision to act like him and be inclusive. There is a beautiful story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
David has uh, assumed to be the king of Israel. Saul and David's best friend, Jonathan, have been killed in battle. And Saul's family have been deposed. They're no longer in power. David is now the king of Israel. And David begins to ask his advisors one day, he said, hey, is there any, are there any kids left that belong to Saul? And they said, well, there's this one kid who lives kind of out in the country. His name is Mephibosheth. It's kind of hard to say. Um, and he lives out in a house away from town. And David said, well, I want to go visit him. Well, what the text tells us is that Mephibosheth had club feet. In other words, he couldn't run, he couldn't walk. And David shows up at his house, and Mephibosheth thinks that David is there to kill him, get rid of the bloodline. I want to be the sole owner of the throne. And he, David tells Mephibosheth, he says, listen, I, I actually came to get you, because living by yourself isn't the way that God's called us to live. From this day forward, you're going to live in the palace with me, and every night you're going to sit at the king's table and eat. Here's the cool thing about inviting people into relationship to the table, metaphorically. Once you're at the table, you can't see feet anymore. Once you're there in relationship, Jesus takes over. And he washes away all the wrong that has been done to you or or that you see in other people. Because that's who God's called us to be. The third thing is this. We as as God's people, we fight lions. We fight lions. Together we stand up against all that Satan has to throw our way. Look what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Peter says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. What we know is each and every day of our life, Satan throws temptation our way. He tries to derail us from our relationship with God. He tries to make us not look right in God's eyes. That's difficult to stand up against on your own. It can be done with the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. When you're in community like this, it's much easier. Because we've got each other to rely on as we journey together. We fight for each other. And no one stands alone when there is sickness. Nobody stands alone when when the... The doctor says there's cancer. No one stands alone when you lose the job. No one stands alone when you've lost your house. No one stands alone when kids are acting out. No one stands alone, period, because the family of God surrounds each other to motivate us and move us through those moments in life. And when we live like that, guess what? That is something that the world does not have. And the world looks at that kind of interaction, that love, that service, And they say, I want some of that. I want to be in the middle of that. How do I get there? And that's when the story of Christ becomes very real to them. They want to be a part of a friendship group that is based with Jesus Christ at the center because that's what that group looks like. I mean, what did Jesus say after he washed the disciples' feet in the upper room before the journey down to the to the olive grove where they prayed and then he was arrested. He he prayed for everyone. And then John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And that's how we make a difference as a friend group. Who you have around you makes all the difference in the world, either negative or positive. You show me your friends 
and, and I'll show you your future. God is very clear. We are to journey together in community, warts and all, ugly feet and all. This morning, who do you have on your list that has refrigerator rights at your house? Who are you willing to overlook simply because they've got some ugly feet? You want to call them to the table. And are you willing to stand and fight with me, the lions that are going to come our way each and every day? I'm going to call the praise team back to the stage at this time. Our shepherds will be gathered around the wall of this room. And this song, consider it our invitation to kind of open ourselves up. To say, you know what, it's time for me to be the person that God's called me to be. And that means being a friend. To being a part of a group. More than just a Sunday morning, but to be involved in everything going on in life. Because I want to journey with these people. You are my friends and I'm so blessed to have you as my friends. And I hope you feel the same about me. We're going to journey together. We're going to hold each other up. But because of that, we've got to make sure that Jesus Christ is number one in our life. And maybe for some of you in your own life, that's not happened yet. And I want to encourage you to go visit with one of our shepherds during the singing of this song uh, to, to ask for a blessing. That it would be very clear to you what you're to do and how you're to change and the type of friend that you're called to become. My hope is that the Holy Spirit will work desperately in you today to give you a different direction in life, to head you down a different lane, if you will. I want to pray for our unity before we sing this song, but I want you to be encouraged to know that God loves you, Jesus Christ died for you, and he desperately wants you to be a friend of his and follow him. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning, and we want to acknowledge that you are the God of the universe. You are the almighty king. There is none greater than you. And we acknowledge everything about who you are, and we are so minuscule in your presence. God, we love you and we want to serve you, but there are moments in our life, too, where we confess we have not lived out that ignited lifestyle. We've not been the disciples that you've called us to be. We've been hateful friends at times. We've been people who who did not pursue what you've called us to be our purpose on this earth. And so, God, we ask your forgiveness in that. But, God, we thank you for the friendships that you do provide in our life. We thank you for the ability to, to open our homes, the fact that we do have homes, that we've got jobs. We can journey with those around us. We're grateful, God, for Crosspoint, for establishing this congregation in this place at this time so that we can be used in your story to share that special story of Jesus Christ. And we ask, God, we know that we've got friends and family in this congregation and beyond that are suffering because of sickness. And God, we present them before you. You know who they are, but there are those who suffer from cancer. There are those that are in the hospital recovering. There are those who are dealing with depression, job loss. And then there are others who are recovering from uh, the, the babies that have been born recently. And we ask, God, that you give all of them that have been mentioned health, that you bring them back to where they need to be so that they can fully serve you out in the story of God. Thank you, God, again for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Let's be standing.